Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show, we continue on. Hour number two, we get going. They are coming to town. They're going to be in Milwaukee at the uh, American Family Insurance Amphitheater coming up on uh, Tuesday, June 7th. And uh, they're coming to town with uh, Ario Speedwagon and Loverboy, and it's going to be a fun time. But it's great to talk to our good longtime friend. Uh, James Young, one of the founding members of the band Stick, still rocking after all these years. JY, how you been, man? I'm great. How about you, Bill? We're doing good. Uh, give me something good excitement-wise in your sporting world, my friend. <laughs> my sporting world? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know, we live and die by the Chicago Bears, and the need I go any further, so... Yeah. Well, you got the quarterback um, coach from Green Bay who uh, hopefully takes Justin Fields to another level for you at some point, right? Uh, that could work, and, uh, you know, we cling to 85, and uh, William and the Refrigerator Perry, I think he still hasn't lost any weight, so. <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm going to be in town down in Chicago on Friday night. I'm doing a, an event with Mike Ditka, so going to be uh, going to be hanging out. The, the, coach. Yeah, the coach. Yeah, he's got his uh, gridiron well, grades Will your people think you're a, tra- a traitor by going down there? No, actually, there he does that gridiron greats thing, and he does it to benefit uh, those that are in need, old, older, aging football players. But uh, Frankie Winters, off of that nineteen ninety six uh, Super Bowl team for the Green Bay Packers, being inducted into the Gridiron Greats Hall of Fame. So it's kind okay. of a uh, a mix, if you will. So yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Going down to see the coach. I'll send him your best. Yes, in my regards, I've I've met <laughs> met the man a couple of times, but I doubt that he remembers. So how how you guys been doing? You guys are out and about after all the COVID and all that kind of stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, COVID uh, didn't scare me, but it scared most everybody else. And I didn't want to be the one to, to uh, um, I've uh, been triple vaccinated and been tested twice negative. So I've never had a positive test. So I'm, uh, I don't know, I do more medical reading than anybody I know. So I think I'm, my immune system is strengthened by that and i uh, don't do too much stupid stuff anymore a little bit still but yeah um no we're we're uh we were been out and did a bunch of shows last last year and earlier this year we've done a bunch and uh now we got the big uh, the big three x show going out across the country and it should be phenomenal you guys, it was funny. I was just seeing that there, there's a tour of the Who, the Who is touring still, and I, I'm I'm going back in my mind of all the supergroups from going all the way back to the '60s and the '70s, and you guys are still playing and still jamming and still selling out arenas and such, and and obviously you're doing it with Ario and such. But you know what what makes what it is you guys have done over the years so special and so time withstanding. You know, you, you mentioned the Who. I was lucky enough to see him three or four times with the original lineup with Keith Moon and, uh, and Daltrey and Townsend and Ed Whistle and uh, phenomenal. Uh, saw Hendrix play five times live while it well, was alive uh, up until actually, uh, so last time I saw him was two weeks before Woodstock, and then he didn't last much longer after that. But, uh, you know, there's just something about music grabs you at a certain stage, and I think our music along with Ario Speedwagon and, and, and a host of other, other bands from the, from the 70s and, let's say, early 80s. Uh, we had the baby boom listening to rock, classic rock radio and uh, before it was classic rock radio. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, there's some of these songs, we just did a really good job collectively of, of writing and recording. And, uh, um, you know, it's hard work and... Uh, a little bit of talent and a whole lot of dumb luck. 
How did, how is it to keep guys together? I mean, we know that uh, you know uh, you know teams break up. Twenty five percent of the team leaves every year and such. But you guys have been doing this a long time. You really haven't had a lot of turnover when it comes to the band itself. And, and you and Tommy are still writing and still doing things and still being able to collaborate and be creative. How do you never run into that rut? Well, uh, uh, Tommy is, is more, more responsible. I love playing on stage. That's my favorite part of it. But Tommy, Tommy is. Uh, He's really got a new writing collaborator, Will Ivankovich, who's uh, been on the road with us now for a year. Um, uh, so we have three guitars on stage uh, going forward um, for the most part. And uh, I don't know, T- Tommy is really the one that's kind of been the alpha dog in that regard. And uh, But uh, Lawrence Gowan, who has replaced Dennis DeYoung uh, many moons ago, uh, Lawrence busy writing all the time with uh, him and himself and his collaborators. And uh, Todd Zuckerman uh, might be the best drummer on the planet, uh, at least in some people's opinion. He's been voted number one in a bunch of polls. And uh, so, we, I mean, we've got uh, we got a heck of a strong little lineup here. And uh, Tommy Shaw just is, uh, he's, he's, he's devoted completely to his art. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sort of a little bit more on the business side of the whole thing because of I've been here from the beginning, and anytime mm-hmm. there's a document to sign, I've got to sign it, and you got to pay attention to what the lawyers. I got to talk to the lawyers. <laughs> I talk to the accountants, and uh, Tommy uh, Tommy plays his guitar and writes great music. So um, we got a uh, he and I. I refer to as the Alpha Dog Tag Team. So mm-hmm. now that you guys are out, you're doing the outside theaters and such, and the weather's really started to pick up, and it's become more. What, what do you enjoy more? You enjoy the inside, the arenas, the stages, or do you enjoy the the outside, the the bigger theaters, the Kind of those those amphitheaters like you're going to be playing out here in Milwaukee. You know, every every size room I think has a certain charm. Um, it's 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 a phenomenal ego boost for a band to see thousands and thousands of people out there. You know, having paid money to come see this thing that you created in a dark, dingy basement uh, many years ago. God bless them all. Um, you know, but then there's, you know, there's uh, just uh, something about it. The, some of the small rooms, um, and uh, not particularly one comes to mind, but, um, you know, so small rooms have their own special charm because you can kind of see every face there, and you really uh, feel more connected in a way to the crowd. So it's, uh, they both have, uh, it's fun going from a big one to a small one back to a big one, and uh, I'm, I'm charmed by them all. Uh, before I let you go, I just had somebody ask me, and I, I know you've probably been asked this 10,000 times, if that, uh, but Marcy said, longtime fan, wanted to know, is Lorelei your favorite, or is there another song that you appreciate more? Well, uh, Lorelei was a co-write with myself and Dennis DeYoung, and actually, we were talking about The Who. The whole thing was kind of inspired by, by a Who song, Baba O'Reilly, and and my style of playing power chords are basically, you know, from watching Pete Townsend over and over and over again. So uh, I don't know. Lorelei uh, is it was was a strong song for us, but uh, if there's other ones I think like Blue, Tommy Shaw's Blue Collar Man really resonates with a lot of people. Uh, Dennis's Grand Illusion really is a phenomenal song kind of resonates with a lot of people and. Uh, my my stuff is maybe a little bit you know harder edged and a little more overtly um, uh, you know trying to be a badass when I'm uh, awake up <laughs> from the suburbs. So 
<laughs> James, always a pleasure. I know you guys are going to be in town. We will be there and see you uh, front and center coming up on uh, June 7th. Look forward to it at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater at the Summerfest Grounds in Milwaukee. Uh, best of luck as always and always whenever you come to town. Thanks so much for joining us on the show for a couple of minutes, and I'll tell my Ditka on Friday night you said hi, okay? And uh, and send the, tell the whole state of Wisconsin uh, we're, uh, we've had always a great time in the great state of Wisconsin. No doubt about it. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Pleasure. Talk Thank to you, you soon. There you go. That's our buddy James Young. Uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, when you ever get a chance to talk to him, he is so, when he talks about reading medicals and stuff, he's so unbelievably well-read. It's almost like you feel weird talking. Do you ever talk to somebody that's just incredibly, incredibly well-read? And can talk about certain things and philosophers and depth of knowledge of books and stuff outside of the norm. I mean, you know, you look at him and you just go, you know, you're a, a rocker from years gone by. But when you talk to him and, and you, you, you get onto a different topic of, of you know, whether it's politics or medicine or, or the law or, you know, social interests, it's just such a, such a, such a depth of knowledge. But uh, long-time guy, long-time friend uh, joining us uh, on the program, and that is James Young, one of the founding members of the band Sticks from years gone by. And, again, they're going to be in Milwaukee coming up. A few tickets available still, uh, some of the lawn seats and such. Uh, but uh, American Family Insurance Amphitheater at the Summerfest Grounds coming with Ario Speedwagon and Loverboy. And it's on the live and unzoomed ticket uh, offer. You can find it there. So there you go. Um, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Uh, so, Ben, you ever talk to anybody like that that has that uh, that different level of depth of knowledge of, of book read, so to speak? Uh, no, but I think I found the perfect quote. Well, the Which is? The thing about being part of a team is it's made up of a bunch of individuals, right? You know, I, I don't <laughs> agree with, you know, there's no I in team. I think the I is the best part of the team. You know, it's a, a team is cool because it's made up of all sorts of individuals, but the the there is a, something greater than yourself, and that is the team. Okay, well, <laughs> I get what he's saying. It's just from getting the point from point A to point B. It's it's, it's a little, so good. It's driving all over. It's like driving bumper cars. You know, <laughs> that's that's what it is. But I get what he's saying. Oh man. 877-867-1670. When we come back, uh, we're going to be hearing from our buddy Jim Ozarski. And uh, Jim's going to give us a shout. We'll talk with him and kind of put, like I said, a, a nice ribbon on the uh, the end of the buck season just to kind of wrap things up and also talk a little bit about what would not have happened. What would not have happened had the Bucks actually been playing uh, tonight. Uh, this portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at the Water Doctors. Uh, John Atley and the whole gang at Water Doctors. I've been telling you for about them about them for a while now. First of all, they support veterans. Uh, if you're going to deal with a company that uh, sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael show we uh we continue on 
Glad uh, you're with us today. Hey, a reminder again, coming up on Thursday, we're going to be live. We're going to be at the Social House uh, over on Lisbon Road. Social House, H-A-U-S. And uh, doing the show there, coming up on Thursday. It's their grand reopening, and we're going to be there in not only conjunction with that, but in promoting the motorcycle ride coming up on Sunday, September 4th. It's our 15th annual poker run benefiting Fisher House, Wisconsin, but also a portion of their proceeds from the weekend. Uh, they're going to do a lot of donation stuff towards Fisher House, Wisconsin as well. We can't say thanks enough to Dan Della and his staff for inviting us and making us a part of this. It's going to be a fun, fun time, and it's kicking off a grand reopening for them and, and their business. So thanks so much, and hopefully uh, you get a chance to come out and see us again. Coming up Thursday, this Thursday, this Thursday, Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls, Brookfield, right in that area, Social House, H-A-U-S. We will see you there uh, for the program. Joining us now on the hotline is our good buddy uh, Jim Ozarski from the Journal Sentinel. Jim, how you been? Hey, I'm good, Bill. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. So this this whole thing came crashing down sooner than many people had thought, and the Milwaukee Bucks season comes to an end. However, uh, yesterday we found out that had the, the Bucks actually been playing tonight, chances are Middleton wouldn't have been back, right? Yeah, so Chris uh, shed some light on, on his recovery or, I guess, lack thereof, um, you know, in exit interviews yesterday, Bill, where he said, look, I, I wasn't going to be ready for games six and seven. He was making progress. He clarified that, said that he suffered no setbacks in recovering from the MCL, but he just, the MCL was, was too injured to come back at that point. So of course the natural, you play the what if game and he entertained that. He said, uh, if, if they were to be, you know, if we were in Miami right now, Bill talking about the Eastern conference finals, Chris Middleton would not be available. He, he, he said, probably not. Um, and maybe if the East Finals had been an extended series, he, he'd get in. But um, he said that, that the MCL just proved to be too too injured to come back, but not too injured where he'll have to have any kind of surgery. He said he'll be able to just heal naturally now that the offseason has begun. So now where do the Bucks go from here? We saw them struggle scoring. Defensively, defending the three was not good. Uh, they just they couldn't stop Tatum and what he had going on. So give me your assessment coming out of this series. What now? Well, the the the, the, the easy part is look, it's the big three, and it's John Horst's job to to kind of fill in the gaps around them. I mean, it, when the, your top three players are all max deals and, and push you right up against the salary cap, you know, there's no there aren't big trades and big swings to be had you know i mean those days are, are gone at least for another couple years now the, the the question is um and i'm going to give a hat tip to john hollandry's former nba executive he works for the athletic he brought up the fact that you know the way the celtics chose to attack the bucks and he mentioned dallas also beating the suns was okay if a team like the bucks are going to pack the paint as they have done under Mike Budenholzer, what do you do with that? You shoot threes because, again, we played this game. And the Bucks have won a lot this way. They won a championship this way with the threes. Well, if other teams are going to take the big man off the floor and just shoot threes, what does it do? It forces Burke Lopez to the bench. It forces Giannis Antetokounmpo to the center or the five spot. So how does John Horst react to that? Burke Lopez is on an expiring deal. He's really the only trade piece this team has, Bill. 
Um, they've got the number 30 overall draft pick in the first round. They can't trade it until draft day. So, and I don't know what kind of value that is. So really, I think the Bucks have a really hard decision of Brooks got a year left. Do you run it back with him as part of that core of this five-year run and just try to fill it in? Or do you begin the, the, the change of how you play and maybe Brooke is a trade piece and, and you, you start to go a little smaller? I don't know. That That's a big question. Um, I, I could see it go either way because, honestly, Bill, they have the best basketball player in the world right now. Giannis Antetokounmpo has, mm-hmm. has ascended to that level. And when you have that guy, things can change. Because, Bill, I don't think we're having this conversation if Chris Middleton's healthy. So that's also part of that calculus if you're the Bucks. It's like, okay, well, maybe other teams have figured out a way to, to minimize our paint protection. However, if the big three are healthy – Bill, they went 30, 37 and 10 in the regular season. That's like a 79% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. If those three guys are together, the Bucks are, <laughs> I mean, that's the best team in basketball. So it, it'll be an interesting, you know, a couple of months here for John Horst for sure. Well, that's my next question. Do you, because, you know, fans look at it and say, well, you need more scoring. You need, you need defense on the perimeter. You need to do but also, you don't want to be—you don't want to make it a knee-jerk reaction because if your team is healthy, and for the most part, this team has been healthy. But if this team is healthy, they're one of the best teams in basketball as is. That's why maybe you don't go out and make mass changes. Uh, you make a tweak here or there, maybe add something to your bench, uh, trying to find something a little bit better than Grayson Allen. But then again, everybody is trying to find a perimeter shooter. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. And, and I know that when Brooke Lopez came back, he changed the way teams approach the paint for the Milwaukee Bucks because he changed shots. He, he teams. It wasn't that he was blocking a ton. It was just that teams weren't taking him because he was down low, you know? Right. And that's, that is, you know, uh, if they – decide that the, the four starters are back, and that includes Brooke Lopez. I mean, that's most of your cap, and, and they do what they did last year, where it's the Rodney Hoods and the Shemi Ojales and the West Matthews and kick it back a few years and Kyle Corvers. And, I mean, that's just where they're at. I mean, Grayson Allen under contract is team-friendly, quote-unquote. I, I think Grayson showed enough this year, Bill, that he can he can be a part of a winning team and, 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 and be involved. It's just how do you – you know, fill out the rest. And honestly, that's the hard part. We don't know who is going to be available on the buyout market. We don't know which sort of veteran out there would say, hey, you know what? The Bucks are the team that I'll take the minimum for. You know, that's impossible to predict. So really, unless they choose to move on from Brooke, it's it's hard to predict who fills in those gaps, Bill. But you're right. It's, um, it's a good question because <laughs> it's easy to, to look at Boston and say, wow, they, you know, they hit enough threes. Well, I mean, they almost didn't, you know, and that was without Chris Middleton. So you're right. It's really right. interesting. Um, the Bucks are a very good team. They're going to be one of the, what, six or seven that can win the championship next year. So, yeah, there's not a, a panic mode by any means to, to get into. Uh, this team did not shoot the ball extremely well, and, and – I mean, I don't know how else to put it. It's just they just couldn't go shot for shot. Did things just get away from them, Jim? Because there were times when I thought, okay, they look really, really good. 
And then all of a sudden, it just it seemed like floor spacing was bad. And, and maybe they needed to make some changes. Grant Hill getting a lot of minutes at one point and then coming off of injury. And it seemed like Bud was trying to kind of rejuvenate something from what he had back in the old Spurs days with George Hill rather than maybe going to a, uh, a different guy that maybe could defend better, shoot the ball. Well, you know what I mean? It just seemed like Bud was going to stick with what got him there, and it just ultimately failed and the, uh, the changes weren't made. Yeah, well, there's there's two things. One, you're right; they couldn't make a shot. I mean, that they were for Grant as as incredible as Grant Williams was making seven threes. Um, the Bucks, you know, were the opposite end of the spectrum there. I, I think you know, 20, I mean, first of all, they didn't make any threes in the in Game Seven. So there's like a zero percent make chance, and I think they only made two wide open threes in Game Six. I mean. You you wouldn't even if you were to say oh Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, you know Drew Holiday, Giannis even okay maybe maybe they're not all forty percent shooters. You'd expect them to make more than two <laughs> over mm. over a two game period, right? So I don't know what the answers to that is other than you tip your cap to Boston and say their supporting players showed up and made shots and the Bucks players did it now the adjustments thing and, and rotation stuff bill look I, I get it grant hill and grayson allen are not you know for whatever reason fan favorites the bucks played early 2000s level basketball on the defensive end i mean jason tatum had his one night but we're not sitting here talking about jalen brown and jason tatum and marcus smart scoring you know combining for 90 points a game in this series like those guys were pretty much neutralized and the the reason it looked bad is because the bucks couldn't score and let's be honest bill who on that bench is coming in to score 18 points right ron carter's not scoring 18 points luca veldoza is not scoring 12 points i mean let's be real like they miss chris middleton that's how these top heavy rosters are constructed and that's what happens when one of those guys gets hurt. So I get the frustration because the Bucks are no longer playing. But if you really, like, dispassionately look at it, Bill, they could not score. Defense wasn't a problem. Stopping Tatum and Brown wasn't a problem. It was they couldn't put the ball in the basket. And no one on that bench was going to be able to give them more than what they had. It's just, it, it, Bill, it's like, you know, the backup quarterback playing for Aaron Rod- like it, it's just you're not going to get four touchdowns <laughs> it's not, that's right. not the answer they had to find it from other ways and they just didn't have enough so uh, by the way we're talking with Jim Ozarski uh, he's with the Journal Sentinel covered the Milwaukee Bucks all season long so I mean I know Giannis talked about getting away getting some rest it's also putting it in perspective it was a hell of a run uh, from where they were the fact that they finally won a championship all of that to get to this point yeah it a little bit early the difficulty in repeating as we all know is so unbelievably challenging but give me your assessment of the run going back to last year prior to when they won the championship all the way through this season and the adversity they faced yeah it's pretty special but i'm actually writing that exact thing for for jsonline.com as uh as soon as we hang up this phone um look it was just july at the end of July, when, when the Deer District Rock, hashtag Bucks and Six, um, 70 days off for most of the team, 50 days off for Drew Holiday, 
and Chris Middleton, you know, who, who then went and won Olympic gold for, for the United States of America. So you can't, I don't think you can truly separate the two years, Bill. Brooke Lopez missed 69 games. I just did a count. Um, the Bucks missed 52 total games due to either COVID or illness this year. Now, granted, other teams face that, but that that's a real thing. Um, you know, Chris Middleton had a hyperextended knee during the regular season. Brooke, you know, Drew Holiday had missed games with his ankle. Um, so, you know, Pat Connaughton missed over a dozen games with a broken hand, you know. So, and yet mm-hmm. they still were the three seed, what, two games out of the one seed. And that's because Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in basketball. And this is still a really, really good team. I think there's no shame in losing to the Boston Celtics, Bill. It feels like the Brooklyn series a year ago where the winner of that series is going to represent the East in the finals. I, and it just feels that way. You know, um, and even if not, it, it still was a, a, you know, Boston had to, <laughs> you know, do all they could and have historic performances. So you're right. You, you zoom out and these two years mushed into, you know, one, <laughs> basically it has been a, it has been a heck of a run and, and really, really high level basketball from, from these Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, uh, one more thing before I let you go. So, I mean, I know you talked about, you know, well, you've got most of your salary rung up in your starters, and I understand that. Does this team ever look at it and say, we're so close, we don't want to let this uh, pass by and actually go over that luxury tax? Yeah, that's, uh, that is always the, the challenge for this ownership. Now, to their credit, they have gone into the tax. Um, Wesley Matthews counted for that. Javon Carter counted for that. DeAndre Bembry, unfortunately, only played a couple games before his season-ending injury. He counted toward that. I think, Bill, what we're going to see is they're going to want to be under that tax to start the season with a little bit of wiggle room for that buyout market next. I mean, this this is a team, when you are talking about a championship-level basketball team, it is all about the midseason to me. Um, It's all about that buyout market. You know, so they're going to kind of pick around the edges, the Shemi Ojales, the Rodney Hoods, <laughs> you know, those, uh, mm-hmm. the Tory Craigs, those are the guys that are going to be in the mix. Now, they're going to hope they find the next Bobby Portis because Bobby was one of those guys. No one saw this right. coming with Bobby Portis. So you hope you hit a home run. And then these other guys I just mentioned, DJ Augustine, well, they all were traded <laughs> so or released. So that's all part of this mix. The only big move, Bill, would be if they choose to to start the roster turn with moving away from Brooke Lopez as he hits that expiring deal and is clearly healthy and is clearly still a real difference maker that another team would say, wow, that guy can help us. And it would be the Bucks having to make that really hard decision of do you do it a year early or – you know, do, do you just wait the, the year? Not too late, but you just let it, the contract play out. That's right. a hard decision, I think, Bill. But, yeah, it's, it's – um, and then the luxury tax stuff, I think, comes later next, you know, next buyout market. 
Jim, always good stuff, man. We appreciate it. Hey, uh, real quick, give me your uh, – I know that they had made a statement. I know we're running a little bit late. I know they made a statement about security and the watch parties and such going into next season. Give me your thoughts on what happened on Friday night with the shootings at the Deer District and uh, the team itself being locked down, their family members being locked down inside the Pfizer Forum as everybody went to leave and what's gone on down there. Yeah, I, I, my understanding, Bill, is that the Bucks are still, as an organization, are having meetings about that. I don't, I mean, you know, the, 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 the violence happened outside of that sort of, you know, fenced-in area that, that is the district, but I don't know what can be done beyond that. And, and it's unfortunate because, as Pat Connaughton said, you know, game six, 65,000 people come together and it was a, a mix of everyone and everything having a party, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. And now, that changed this year. You know, it wasn't as open as that. I mean, there was some commerce involved with selling tickets and whatever. Going forward, Bill, I don't know. I mean, it was a scary situation. I, I've covered several mass shooting, um, you know, situations. It is a scary moment. You're out there trying to correct, collect the right information, to give to people and it's sort of real time. Um, and so you get that feeling of what is happening, you know, what, what's the safety issue in this building right now, or, or even just outside it. So you could feel that um, in, in those initial moments, Bill, but yes, going forward, I, I mean, it's between the bucks, obviously in the city of Milwaukee to figure out, okay, it, it, maybe not that random regular season game, but definitely these huge events, what do you do outside and not just the deer district, but beyond that, ah, those are tough questions. Jim, always good, buddy. Uh, get back at it. We'll read your stuff coming up soon, and uh, we'll talk again down the road, okay? All right, Bill, looking forward to it as always. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. Jim Ozarski, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, following us uh, and talking to us a little bit about this Bucks uh, end of the season and just a kind of little bit of everything, I guess. Um, but it's interesting because uh, for the people that want to see mass change and big-name shooters and such come in, he's got a point. You know, you go into the season with arguably the best player in the world. You make hay. You position yourself. And then you make a deal. Then you find a, a player or two. Yeah, you're going to go over the salary cap, but these are the guys that are going to help you push that to where you are then back to being in legit contention to win a championship or at least give you the edge to be the front runner when it comes to winning a championship. So good stuff there from our buddy Jim Ozarski. Hey, uh, Wisconsinites, we're not snooty. We know that. We're not snooty. We're all good. We got Midwestern charm and value, if you will. And that's exactly what Forgotten Fire Winery in Peshtigo, that's what they're all about up there. They call it fun in a bottle, my friends, without attitude. And you can find their full lineup of wines and ciders and such in their tasting room or in liquor stores, wine stores, grocery stores all throughout the great state of Wisconsin. And it's a great place to just kind of get away. Just if you want to just take a weekend and go relax, uh, they have music, live music up there, private events they can even do. So if you're looking for a cool place to maybe go and do a, you know, a, a corporate gathering, if you're looking for a good place to bachelorette party, bachelor party, whatever it happens to be, uh, or just a bunch of friends. Anytime's a great time for our our friends over at Forgotten Fire Winery and uh, their ciders as well. Wisconsin wine made from Wisconsin people. Go to ForgottenFireWinery.com. That is ForgottenFireWinery.com. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up. 
Ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. It's one thing as a fan to see Aaron Rodgers saunter into the end zone to score the game ceiling touchdown with his own two hands. Welcome back. Hey, we are going to be at Ironwood Golf Course coming up on Monday, June 6th. It's a cigar dinner. We're back. The first one of the year, we kick it off at Ironwood. So this is what you get uh, for one price. You get uh, nine holes of golf. You get dinner. You get some drink tickets. You get uh, more cigars than what the value of the actual ticket is to get in. We do a little sports Q&A after the fact. We have a fun time. And it's all brought to you by our friends at Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery. So all of that for one price. Um, so if you have not gotten your tickets yet, go to tobaccooutletplusgrocery.com. That's tobaccooutletplusgrocery.com. And uh, by all means, get your tickets. Get your tickets. Because we're going to have a fun time. It's going to be an Ironwood Golf Course. And you can also get your tickets, I think, at Ironwood Golf Course as well. But, yeah, if you go to Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery. Uh, we're going to be in Sussex. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's sold out. The event's sold out. Um, you know what? Still take a stab at it. See if you can get in. See if you can get into that. Um, I got to see here. See if you can get into that thing. Uh, if there's going to be tickets available for that. It's 75 bucks, nine holes of golf. Dinner, you're going to get uh, tenderloin tips, smoked ham, baked cod fillets, garden salad, vegetables, whipped potatoes, gravy, rolls, brownies. You're going to get uh, Altidus, uh, which are the featured cigar manufacturer for this one. The Heritage H. Upman, Connecticut. Uh, Anejo as well. All of those cigars, you're going to get, I think, four or five of them in the reserves. The Upman 814, uh, 1844 Reserve is going to be a part of that package. All of that. Registration uh, is at 1.30. Uh, the shotgun start at 2. Cocktails at 5. Dinner at 6. We have a lot of fun after the fact. But, again, it's uh, it's coming up. So if you uh, – let's see if you can get tickets for that. Yeah, you can still get tickets. There's still some tickets. It says sold out, but there, you can still get into the ticket and buy tickets. So go ahead and do it. We're going to have a fun time. Coming up on uh, June 6th, Monday, June 6th, out at Ironwood Golf Course in Sussex, Wisconsin going to have a lot of fun really looking forward to that we'll probably do the show out there that day too as a matter of fact so mark that on your calendar and come out and join us especially if you're a cigar aficionado even if you're not come on out come on out and have fun um couple of things uh, i want to go back to the discussion we had coming up in the next segment we're going to go back to the discussion regarding the wisconsin badgers i thought it was interesting because the reaction was immediate uh by many of you talking about uh, and Ben made the statement. Ben, the statement was basically you're, you don't think the, the Badgers are ever going to win a national title when it comes to football, correct? Correct. Okay. Well, I want to cover this when we come back because I want to know what the thoughts are as a Badger fan and what your expectations are and or should be as a Badger fan. Stay tuned. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Glad to have you back. We continue on this portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Bud Lights. Don't forget, a week from tomorrow, uh, it all gets going for real at the uh, the Bud Pavilion out of Wisconsin State Fair Park. It's all brought to you by our friends at Bud Light. The music series is back. The free concert music series is back. Cost you five bucks to park your car. Motorcycles, absolutely free. Free admission. Gates open at six. Music starts at seven. The Bud Pavilion at the Wisconsin State Fair Park back open again this year. And the music series starts with Rebel Grace taking the stage next Wednesday night, 7 o'clock is when it all gets underway. Looking forward to seeing you out there. Okay, so um, we were talking about the Badgers. I want to get into some other stuff regarding the the Brewers coming up here shortly. But uh, the Badgers, uh, Ben made the statement, you made the statement that you didn't think that the Badgers would ever win a national title in football because you just don't feel like the gap, they can close the gap talent-wise as opposed to what, you know, say like Alabama and such have, correct? Correct. I will say, though, with that, I am okay with it. Oh, well, that's my next question. So as a Badger fan or Badger fans in general out there, what should the expectation be? Because this team, this 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 the athletic department, if you want to call it that, this this fran- I don't want to say franchise because nobody owns it, but this team has come close to the final four numerous times they've come close to winning the big 10 numerous times in recent history and now they're out about to expand the uh, eventually they'll expand the uh, the bowl championship so to speak so what should the expectation be for the badgers now greg says maybe they should just go undefeated in the big 10 before even talking about a national title and i understand that you know but you can still lose one game in the Big Ten, and then still win the big, you know, win the Big Ten, and then move on to the Final Four. So, should at what point do you have expectations of getting to that point? You know what I mean? This program's been knocking on the door for so long, and it seems like fans are just content with, okay, we will win our nine games and go to a decent bowl, and if we win the Big Ten, great. If we don't, we don't, you know. Is that kind of the – I don't want to say apathy because there's a level of expectation there, but is that kind of the apathy that we see right now with Badger fans? Well, I think it, it should be said that if they win the Big Ten and when they do next, they will then go to the Final Four, and when it expands, they will go to the Final, whatever it is, 8 or 12. I just differentiate being in that 12-team field and actually competing for a title. Like the Philadelphia Eagles were in the playoffs last year. By no means were they competing for a Super Bowl. Like they, mm-hmm. they just weren't in the same class of team as the Bucks, the Rams, the Packers, all those teams. So I, I think even when they expand the playoff, it's not going to add much parity to the sport. It's still going to be the same teams in the final four and the final two. So to me, the expectation should be every year, like the ceiling, the best possible season, they go and win the Big Ten. And then as a result of that, they will get into some playoffs in, in the near future. I just don't mm-hmm. think being in the playoff means they're competing for a national title. And I guess that's what's argued because Michigan State made it years ago. They lost 31 nothing in the semifinal game. Michigan made it last year. They got waxed by Georgia. Ohio State is the only real chance the Big Ten has of winning a national title. So I I put it up there a little while ago, and I said, you know, well, you take a team like, you know, what Luke Fickle's done with Cincinnati, and suddenly Cincinnati finds themselves in the Final Four. And now, granted, Cincinnati, I don't think, I think they lost like 17 out of their 22 starters. So I, they're not going to be anywhere near the same team. 
But going over to the Big 12, now there's a level of expectation there. So does that mean you take a team like Cincinnati and, and say, well, they have more of an ability via recruiting than Wisconsin does? They recruit actually at a similar level. Um, I, what Cincinnati does very well is kind of similar to what Wisconsin does well. Is they, In the last couple of years, they have turned three, four stars into really, really productive uh, college players. Mm-hmm. The, the difference might be, and I, I guess, yes, they kept it kind of close with Alabama, but that was a down Alabama team, if that's at all possible. That, that wasn't close to one of Saban's best. Uh, it's, I, the, there's this whole thing called a blue chip ratio where – the only teams that can win the national title every year are ones that have at least 50% of each recruiting class, four and five star recruits. And those are like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, you go down the list, even really mm-hmm. Michigan and Penn state are in there. Cincinnati does not cross that threshold. So I, I think going forward, honestly, they probably have a similar chance. Uh, maybe I would give the, the edge to Wisconsin if they keep playing in the big 10 West, but I don't think either of them really will compete with, those top dogs because to say that they're not going to win a champion that's a that's a pretty daunting statement for uh, a program that has eventually aspirations expectations if you will well it is but and then but then don't you have to say okay look if you're not getting in those recruits why is it because it's wisconsin is it because it's the coach is it your recruiting you know what i mean so let's let's say Nick Saban came to Wisconsin. Does Nick Saban change things? Uh, a little bit, yes. Uh, why are they not getting the recruits is a is a long uh, package to to go through. But number one, uh, geography. The state of Wisconsin does not have the same caliber of recruits as uh, the state of Florida, where you go down south. Two resources. Wisconsin does not pour nearly enough. But Ohio State gets them. Well, yes, because Ohio State pours the resources into their recruiting department that Wisconsin does not. And that has and been they've a, got national titles behind them. Right. And Wisconsin did for a couple of years, the 2019 to 2021 run, they elevated their profile. But at their peak, 2021, best Wisconsin recruiting class star-wise ever, they still only had 28% of that ratio I was talking about of four- and five-star guys compared to the whole class. So even their best output ever is still not even close to what, like Alabama's, Recruiting classes are 88, 89% blue chip recruits. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to win a title. There's been no team to ever win a title with lower than 50% of their recruiting classes being uh, four and five star guys. So here's my question. Let's say Saban retires. Do they still get that? My question is, is it the coach or is it the program? I think it's both. I think there is a snowball effect that when a program has success, it is easier to continue that. I also think Nick Saban is the anomaly and like he has redefined how we view success in college football. So when he retires, undoubtedly they'll take a step back. Uh, Mm -hmm. They will still be though competing for national titles. Chris says academics is the key. Well, if that's the case, you know, I mean, I don't know what the, the academic standards are for Alabama. I don't know what the, I think it's a, it's one credit more to get into Ohio state. Uh, versus getting into Wisconsin because Wisconsin demands, I think, that credit or half credit more um, to get in there. Um, but I don't think it's academics. I Notre I, I Dame. Don't, see, I don't think it's academics. Notre Dame's up there with the top of the country, and they're Notre Dame. Yeah. Got a lot more to get to. Hang in there. The Bill Michael Show going to continue this portion of the program. Brought to you by our friends over there at Quick Trip. Top tier alternative fuels, no fee ATMs, and they're giving away a Camaro. 
And you only got a few more weeks to get registered for this thing. Stop in and use that quick rewards card. Pick up a Pepsi product, a Jack Link's product. And I yesterday was asked, will you give this thing away? So I'm going to be the one giving it away. I can't win it. You might as well be the one to win it. So go into Quick Trip. Use your quick rewards card. You're going to be good to go. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.